how much do you think we have line of credit before we even started buying our houses how much give give us a guess was any, like any, together how much we would have uh 30 40k we had 200000 dollars yes yes sir talk me through that process like how did you guys manage to get that much line of credit the show is called golden nuggets so my <laughs> <laughs> so so what happens is whenever you're trying to get a line of credit from a bank what the bank does is it checks your credit reports and what nots and everything right Welcome to the Golden Nuggets of Real Estate Investing, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom through real estate. We'll be discussing the most important lessons, or better known as the Golden Nuggets of Real Estate Investing, entrepreneurship, and personal finance with new and experienced investors to help you get into real estate investing or scale up your portfolio. So make sure to tune in. What's going on everyone? It's Ross Nadai, host of the Golden Nuggets podcast. Welcome to episode 6. I have another jam-packed episode full of golden nuggets for you. I had the pleasure of sitting down with two incredible brothers, Ishan and Sid, who immigrated to Canada as international students and changed their paycheck-to-paycheck North American lifestyle to becoming serious real estate investors. We had so much to talk about that I've decided to divide this episode into two parts. In part 1, you'll learn how to overcome the barriers of networking. what criteria to use to analyze deals to overcome analysis paralysis how to buy your first property as an international student or new immigrant and last but not least the secret to getting the maximum line of credit you can qualify for if you like this podcast and have gotten any sort of value please help me reach as many eyes and ears as possible by following my instagram page and sharing this podcast all over social media if you're listening on apple podcasts please leave me a five star review If you're watching on YouTube, leave me a comment, like, subscribe and hit that notification bell so that you can stay up to date on the most recent episodes. Thank you so much for your support. Please enjoy episode 6, part 1 with Ishan and Sid. What's going on everyone? Today I have a couple of special guests. Today I got Ishan and I got Sid, uh who are investors from Cambridge and also invest in uh Windsor. So we're going to talk all about their real estate journey, how they got into real estate investing, how real estate has impacted their lives. So Without further ado, I uh, will leave the floor to you guys. So go ahead, tell us a little bit about yourself. How you guys got in, uh, in, you know, introduced to real estate investing and where you are right now. Yeah, so we came to Canada in 2014 to pursue our masters in computer science and then since then the journey has been quite amazing working in IT corporate jobs for past 5 to 6 years now. And uh last 5 to 6 years life is good, everything's working smoothly until I read this book Rich Dad Poor Dad and started networking with people. things started changing drastically okay. and then here we are into real estate's realm so i started uh, looking forward in real estate investing in 2019 i would say yeah once yeah. we came back from europe yeah, yeah. september 2019 september 2019 ish and since mm-hmm. then we've just took our p- pedal and accelerated more than then <laughs> right we started networking with people getting to know people and then after a little bit of analysis paralysis we finally bought our first property our first property was in april april 2020 april 2020 yeah it was not long ago yeah yeah it's pretty pretty like 7 8 months back right so mm-hmm. yeah so we got our first property in windsor my goal yep. was to cash flow and house hack so i bought this deal and uh, it was tough to get into the market because the market was going in an upward trend that time and then uh, we were getting outbid by the other other Toronto buyers with a lot of big money and what not so we decided to take an approach of wholesaling we were pretty new to this concept we all we knew was you got to network with people show mm-hmm. up be out there and something just might work so i had gone to india in march like early march i came back and my brother was bidding like hey why are you there on the properties and <laughs> <laughs> they were asking and i still <laughs> remember the first property i bid on was like it was listed for 300 i bid 430 it sold for 450 i was like what the hell and that was my first bid i was like <laughs> wow so nervous bidding like 130k over asking yeah. you know so we we got a new the idea of the market how much is the price going for what is the quality of the house what can we do out of it then there was a property on wholesale and then we were like okay this is gold right now we got to hop on this train and then by that time the wholesaler also understood like the prices a little less so he he made it jacked up the wholesale fees 
but the property was so good it made worth like taking the ride with that even at the price which was asking and what not mm. so we didn't even see the property we just saw the video we just did our math we did our prior homework we got the property 30k equity on the buy we got it for 383 and right. if the realtor was listing at that time he would have listed for 425 so mm-hmm. so we bought uh, our second property which was under my name which is like my primary so we bought like a legal secondary dwelling unit in in the best area of cambridge so literally like houses around here like start from 700 800 900 and wow. they go up to like couple millions easy like wow. they are literally mansions around in the neighborhood and our house is like the tiniest house in the neighborhood and that is also one of the strategies where you buy the smallest house in the posh neighborhood and then you just bag on the appreciation correct so we got like a legal secondary dwelling unit where it's two bedroom unit on top where we are staying currently and then mm-hmm. there's a studio unit in the basement which we renovated and we're running airbnb in that nice. which is which is an amazing model to be honest correct the ways to cash flow in a market where appreciation dominates dominates the like the uh, cash flow strategy mm-hmm. how can you cash flow in that strategy is to like just try short term rentals and run it as a business so right. we we did that and then march like april 1st march may april may then uh, september we closed on another property a student rental in university of windsor nearby mm-hmm. we got that one on a decent decent deal so we closed on that we are running the student rental model over there because we are the students of windsor so we know <laughs> the market how it works yeah. what's the price range for the rent so it cash flow is real good and then after that we actually closed on our first jv uh, the closing was today actually so oh, congrats, guys. it's it's a duplex we signed the contract a year back by the uh, sellers mm-hmm. and then we closed on it after a year so we have already made a ton of equity and with the appreciation of windsor it's it's like added as a boost now my partner just plugs the money and it's a good burn on prospects yeah yeah wow. it's yeah that's, that's right. awesome yeah you guys touched on a lot of great stuff so just to recap like you were saying like so basically what introduced you to the whole concept of real estate right it was basically the you know you said rich had poured that right so you both started working in a corporate job right like many of us all are inspired yeah. to get to the point where we eventually retire right and you want to do like eventually real estate or yeah. passive income right that's the goal right so like i guess there's one thing reading a book right and then there's another thing taking action right so what kind of research or what kind of homework did you do on your end to say you know what this makes sense i need to find out more you mentioned you, you kind of network so if you don't mind just kind of break down a little bit into step by step kind of like how would somebody that's in your shoes somebody starting out will get to where you guys are today for instance right because it sounds like you guys are accelerating at a fantastic like you know rate which is great but it's like how does one even get to that so i would like to say that it's a very good question like for the person who's starting there is something called fear of missing out when you see others doing this amazing deals and you're like am i doing something wrong or am i doing anything in the first place so what i would like to suggest these people is go put yourself out there show up to any events virtual events live events paid events free events once your face becomes familiar to the people gradually you come into their like like an aura of like everybody and then you know what this guy is doing what that guy is doing what you should have done what your thought process was going right. maybe i missed this one next one i'm going to catch before the train leaves the gravy station now i'm at least confident but it's just like a practice of going out meeting with people we can right now in covid but still like networking virtual events and the best part is like talk to that person not just during the event after the event Right. follow up with this person share your journey put yourself out there and then you get to know about them and then things get very easy you you would not know but actually the obstacles which you are going through that guy was also going through or is going through exactly. so he once resonates you on that terms then then it's it's very easy i'm telling you it doesn't yeah. it sounds tough but pretty easy from there to be honest like 
everyone has their own models so you have to understand like what this luxury yeah. student rental guy is doing what this house hacking guy is doing what the flipper is doing what the bird model is doing what how are these people buying so many multi units what the short term rental model is so once you have a good idea when once you talk to these people and have a good idea of these models when you see a deal you can understand quickly which model is the best for this deal and right. does it even make sense in terms of number and when when you have these connections the best part about real estate investing is our community is so amazing like it's all yeah. about giving and helping people because yeah it's it's just amazing like i have never seen a community like this like who wants me to succeed more yeah. than you and i do you know it's like exactly exactly yeah, yeah. Um, and i think that's the biggest struggle with a lot of folks have you're absolutely right i mean your network is you know truly your net worth right but it's just like I feel like a lot of folks everybody's personality is different but I I'm sure you guys hear this uh, often a lot of people feel they're introverts so it's a little bit un- mm-hmm. uncomfortable for them to even get that leap of faith to say you know what if I want to message Ross or I want to message uh, yeah, Ishan what kind of value do I have to give to that person right they automatically yeah, think correct. that it's you know, like they block themselves from even reaching out to the person to even start a conversation right so what kind of advice would you give to somebody like that? Would you guys face that kind of roadblock mentally before you guys took that leap of faith? Would you consider you yourself an introvert or you guys are the extrovert here? <laughs> we we were introverts but I don't think we are anymore to be honest. We, like yeah. I would consider myself a little introvert when I came new to this country. Right. But a little bit because in my instinct I was all guns blazing extrovert back in India also. I lived in multiple cities. Right. where every state has its own language so i had to learn the language or try to do hand gestures to just communicate i want this bottle of water how much will you charge and what not <laughs> so i was being very open like because our parents sent us out of our home for education after a 10th grade so that's pretty young in india wow. people stay with family after they have their baby also <laughs> so it was a wonderful learning experience but either way is like when you come to a new country it's it's like it's a little intimidating in your mind oh wow first world country amazing this and that and what not so it can be a little daunting initially but what i would like to say when you're trying to approach a big person in real estate never ask for anything first because he has a thousand people on his inbox mm-hmm. just trying to leech some value so if you're trying to only leech value how is that person going to connect with you like for example i'll tell you like initially when i was trying to connect with matt mckeever right mm-hmm. so i can't go and ask him like i'm new to this or what not cuz i've seen his videos where he's saying i charge 400 dollars for a call for an hour but right. make sure you know what questions to ask so i am like what do i do from here right <laughs> like, even if i have the money i don't know what to do so what i do is i start to look up his videos and then if there is some sort of value like hey your youtube link is not posted properly maybe you would like to check on that mm-hmm. so that separates me out of those 1000 people who are just trying to gauge value it can be the slightest thing like a youtube link would not coming properly or anything right. like simple things so i'm right. trying to give value to that person who is a multi million dollar but he's like okay who are you you are helping me instead yeah. of asking yeah. me so that gets connection set up from there once you go to meet up introduce yourself show your journey document your journey hard work will 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 show its colors man you just got to go out there do stuff but if you do just to expect something expectation is the root cause of all misery that's what my dad taught me so yeah. just do willfully and then the the whole ocean will open up for you that's I mean, what i would say yeah absolutely like we had we had our office from 9 to 5 and after 5 this guy would take me burlington london and then <laughs> on the weekends we would go to windsor and we have to come back and we were at that point we that we were living in downtown toronto yeah. and we were working in heartland nisaga yeah. so we are already driving an hour so by the time right. we are done with the meet up we are coming home it's already 12 go to bed 6 o'clock get up get ready <laughs> we hit gym and go to work back so wow. yeah man it's just like you got to be out there Yeah. like people need to know that you are out there because there are a million people who ask for your help here yeah. but you want to help the people who want to help themselves so yeah. if you're out there yeah they know you're serious right yeah yeah absolutely and that's so good on you guys right because it's it's here's a thing right it's like you have to figure out what is it that you really want right mm-hmm. in this case 
from what I'm understanding is you guys figured out, you know what, I can go through this, you know, nine to five job corporate world, but it's not going to give me where I want to be in terms of, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm seeking financial freedom. I want, you know, uh, to have multiple properties. I want to leave a legacy behind whatever your why is. Yes. If you don't want it like really badly. You're not going to work for it. It's as simple as that. Like a lot of folks kind of go to, to your example, you know, they go work nine to five, five o'clock hits, they close the laptop, put on the TV, just chill on the couch and watch Netflix, <laughs> which is yeah. fine, which is fine, right? You have to have balance in life, which is fine. But then you're going to have other people like yourselves, right, who are just grinding constantly. You're like, listen, you know what? Instead of me watching TV, I'm going to go t- uh, connect with somebody. I'm going to go to a meetup. I'm going to go uh, see somebody. I'm going to go check out some houses. I'm going to go my weekends, drive around the city, get to know the area, get to know the realtors, right? So it takes work. It's not going to mm-hmm. come in your hand like the universe, you, you have to move for the for things to happen. You know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. it's just, you Absolutely. have to have right expectations. Let's put it that way. Yeah. You wouldn't believe we don't have a Netflix account since two years. There you <laughs> we go. thought of buying an account <laughs> because we started Airbnb. Yeah. And we, we haven't done it yet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. To be well, honest, that's fine. Like, that's fine. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, balance is key. I mean, there's nothing wrong with, you know, watching TV here and there, but you just have to figure out what, what is it that you want and how badly that's you right. want it, right? So, for you to accelerate that rate, you have to put yourself up there, to example. Yeah. I know COVID is kind of hitting everything. There's no, like, um, in-person meetings, but there's a lot of virtual events. There's a lot of things still going on. Even Facebook groups. I notice there's a lot of Facebook community groups. You can throw questions. You can connect with investors and learn books, podcasts. Like, it's unlimited. You have so much resource. It's just unlimited. Yeah, if you if you ask these gurus from back in the day, they they didn't know nothing. nothing. They don't they don't have any way of communicating. Like they had to literally go all the way, drive four hours, and yeah. there's not even a fucking meetup. You try to find <laughs> the guy and then gauge knowledge. With Knock on the door. One guy, you know, you can't even like like network with so many people. It was so tough in back in the day for these guys. Yeah, and these guys did it. Like it should be easy as pie for us. Absolutely. But, only who needs it that bad or yeah. who wants it that bad gets it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, exactly. I, I would like to touch on this point. Uh, so back in the day, while we were growing up, we were like super rich, like super rich in the sense, three to four cars below our house mm-hmm. for birthdays. We are getting not one PS, like three, four playstations back right. in the day. We were like kind of millionaires when we were right. like little kids. But unfortunately, we didn't know how to blow money at that time. So, it was <laughs> so from there, by growing up, we went super broke where Diwali is our auspicious occasion, like Christmas. And on Christmas, forget about like, imagine you being on Christmas, forget about you having the money to give people. You don't even have money to eat food. That was that at one point, that was our situation where we don't even have money on Diwali, this auspicious occasion. Right. Forget about bursting crackers. We don't even have money to eat food. From there, life has been so challenging. And then after 10th grade, we were sent away from home to study. So we are always on the hustle, the grind, you know, putting ourselves out there, like learning new things. There is no living in your tiny cocoon and being comfortable. So that has put us in a zone where, to be honest, if we don't feel like there is something pushing us. There is a goal bigger than me or bigger than us. We suddenly feel like, what the fuck is going on? And <laughs> how, how long have I sat on this couch? Like two years or something now? Like what, what's yeah. our next goal? Like, to be honest, we, like, we didn't have money to study. Our cousins paid for our education because mm, our dad, when he was rich, he, he took care of everyone's education like in the whole family and related, like relatives and everything. So these guys paid for our education. After that, uh, we wanted to come to Canada. We didn't have money for that. We had to put our house, our only one house that our mom had. We had to put that against the loan, student loan. And then somehow we got some student loan. So Ishan came, I came here. Yeah. Then the goal is, okay, study hard, get a good job, live the Indian dream, you know, <laughs> of going abroad, getting an amazing job, get yeah. married, yeah, have a baby, so, so just relax, just like live yeah. life smoothly. Then we are like exploring real estate. That is like, please be safe. Don't do this. Don't do <laughs> you know, the fatherly feeling. I mean, yeah, like we, we did our education and then we got our jobs and then we're just like, okay, our first goal is to pay our student loan, which is like 40 grand, 40 grand. That's, yeah. that's not an easy amount. And yeah. then we pay that off and then life is like, okay, this was it. Like 
this is yeah. pretty much it right like, like this is it like there's no more challenges after this like we 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 were chilling for like good half a year one year and we are like what the fuck man it feels so different we've been on the hustle 24/7 and suddenly we don't have a goal bigger than ourselves and it feels so weird yeah and then ishan explored the avenue of real estate yeah financial freedom fire yeah right right and and you guys touched on some great things there so it sounds like you know because of the, you know the hardship that you guys went through that we like, got the hustle and bustle it sounds like right because you were forced Definitely. into situations where it was like survival of the fittest right you you were like listen this is not the lifestyle i want those challenges have set up set us up for success yep. and then like little challenges don't feel like a challenge anymore like going yep. out to meetups networking it's like that's nothing <laughs> and then i know especially for individuals coming first to the country like you said it's, it's an unknown territory you come to yeah. city um speak to me a little bit about that i mean like i know you you said you got into uh you know real estate investing but before that i mean what was your main community basically just like the students around you know where i guess you guys went to windsor or which school was yeah, it university of windsor yes so okay. we went to university of windsor the mm-hmm. first one year was like just chilling at with a couple group of people and that's pretty much it cook at home save money work some part time job go to the farmhouse pack some tomatoes make your money so that you can pay the rent right. blah, blah blah initial stuff then one year goes by i was not like getting the money to stay in the student residence so i was missing that fun of those people doing activities and what not but then gradually after one year i started realizing i try to throw myself in uncomfortable situations because i know some of the other way i'm going to adapt and thrive out of it so from first year to just being confined and eating that nice home cooked meal with my friends and everyone to just like going away and exploring different avenues and what nots meeting with other people and then we got job in toronto because windsor does not have software jobs so right why anybody watching this video you're from windsor and you're looking to explore it space please leave windsor the day you finish your education please <laughs> just 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 go on someone's couch sleep over that's what i did i i just spent a month or two initially at someone's place in the couch and got a job and then still things started flowing gradually we had people in toronto and then yeah. after a few months i had an internship i came to toronto yeah. i remember still getting the first paycheck yeah. and then because we never got to really explore or enjoy the north american culture yeah you would see see both of us go crazy every weekend like <laughs> <laughs> in toronto payday no payday doesn't matter yeah 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 So it was fun time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, humble beginnings I would say. For sure. Now, if if you guys were looking back and, and you know, you mentioned you guys both had basically a debt of, you know, $40,000 and which is pretty common for students graduating. Like, you know, cuz I went through the same thing, right? I also graduated and the first thing I wanted to do is because the way we're we're brought up again, we don't have the financial literacy to understand that there is yeah. such thing as good debt, right? You always good think absolutely. of debt as, yes. as you have to get rid of this tomorrow, right? So I was also the same type of person that I had that back in my mind when I was going to university, right? I was working part-time, I was saving literally every penny I could with yeah. the hope that when I graduate I can just pay it right off and then that's exactly what I did. Now looking back I'm like, "Oh my goodness. And I just put that money kind of bought like yeah. two properties in Mississauga, what have quadrupled by now." You know what I mean? Like it's crazy. Back in the day it was 5% down. That's all you had to put, you know? It's insane. 2013 Yeah. Yeah. yeah same boat same boat yeah right so it's like for those that are listening in and they have yes. the you know the idea that they want to do investment or they want to put their money elsewhere honestly the 5% or whatever you pay for osap is free money <laughs> like yeah. if you can quadruple that in other avenues definitely do it because there like as like we said there's good debt and there's bad debt so like owning an asset what is pro, you know you have a mortgage on it but it's producing income is a good debt. You want that. You want many of those because eventually mm-hmm. it will pay itself off and you're making Correct. money on top of it. Correct. Yeah. To Absolutely. be honest like many people are scared of investing because they they think of investing like oh I have to get this house and then it's a burden on me. I have to pay my mortgage what if I cannot pay my mortgage? How do I even go to vacations anymore and right. it's not close to convenient to my work. I tell so many people buy a cash flowing student rental Yeah and house hack the hell out of it yeah. you know you, even, <laughs> you don't even have to stay there <laughs> I mean it's a little gray zone it's a little risky but 
see if you go, if you have like 40 grand student debt if you pay it off right now it all depends on how much stress you can take i think like if you're in an it job i think that's not a big deal because the best part is when you have 40 grand loan it's not on your credit credit report here it's back home so it doesn't affect your borrowing capacity here so let it sit there yes. let them put high interest on it yes right buy an asset here in right. two years how the market is going you would sell that property and you can just pay off that loan one shot and at least you have your down payment here right there you go yeah there you go that's and, and you get some money. cash flow yeah absolutely absolutely yeah so so you guys talked about the first property you bought now what strategy did you guys use was that a buy is that a buy and hold or was that a flip or what did you how did you guys start off with and what, what did you do with the so, first property? so we didn't even have like five percent down initially to get started with but we had a lot of education right, right? So I would suggest first, guys, if you're planning to buy a property, go to every bank and get lines of credits, L-O-C, please get lines of credit. And I'm not getting sponsored by a national bank here, but if you are an accountant, a CPA, or an engineer, or have a degree of engineering from back home, they give you a line of credit for pr prime plus 0.25. Prime currently is 2%. 0.25 that's like not even 3% like that's pennies for right. for for 100 for 50000 dollars you got to pay like 3% whatever that is 1500 dollars right Over so the span of a year, year so that's 100 yeah, 125 113 dollars every month for right. getting 50000 dollars go to the casino and blow it out joking <laughs> no don't do that <laughs> just just take that money and keep it with you as a safeguard as a wall behind. So if shit goes south, you don't have to worry. Take 5% down, borrow from your friend, ask him as a gift letter and tell him I'll pay you back. Just go buy a property. Now, what do you buy is the first question. Right. Buy a house where the mortgage plus added expenses a monthly plus some buffer cushion, everything is paid out and you get a couple hundred dollars. Don't be too greedy. Just a couple hundred dollars is good enough. Like just go and invest that. That's what I did. Mm -hmm. I just went with an intention, multiple rooms. I just want cash flow because that's how any investor would start cash flowing, right? Because right. if you can do burr, I know people like to do burr, but if you don't have any money, how can you do a burr? Like you don't have yeah. any money, the yeah. first place, right? So you get a, you gotta get your foot in, yeah, and bag some of the appreciation if you don't have money yeah. or find partners. Steadily, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we got a five percent down. I didn't even have five percent down. Somehow I managed got this house there were six rooms in the house so even if one room rented for 600 i get 3600 from six rooms there was a den area i made that into a room now that's officially my room mm -hmm. and i'm primary residence of that place so i rented the six other rooms so that is my my room i i live in that house so right. i'm house hacking with the six rooms giving me 3600 dollars of revenue if not that three thousand dollars of revenue instead of 3600 like suppose one room is not rented. Right. Get a mortgage of $400,000 house at like mortgage of $1,600 to $1,700 every month. I have $1,000 every month going in my pocket and a cup I get to stay for free. Like that's ridiculous. Like why not do that is the first question. Like beg, beg money from someone and find a property, do your homework and just try it. Try it out. Give it a taste. Like if you don't taste the meal, you don't even know how good it is or how bad. Just give it a shot. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So that's how it gets started. And that's yeah. that's probably the safest bet you can play jumping in your first property, right? So you, you've always got to make sure that it's a comfortable play yeah. so that you can buy more. Yeah. You don't want to be like, oh, this this house is shiny. The, the glass is good. It looks beautiful. Even if it's outside my budget, I'll take it. And then you're just sitting on a property, hoping it appreciates. If you bought in a market which appreciates and the market, like the wind is in, in the same direction, you're good. But yeah. if not, Otherwise, you're just stuck with the property for three, four years and that's it. That's your whole portfolio. For sure. Yeah. You have to be smart, right? You have to do your research. You have to know the markets, right? So a prime example is, you know, yes. how it is in Toronto currently. Like the, we're talking about homes or townhouses are almost hitting million dollars, right? If you purchase something for a million dollars, just imagine how much you're going to be paying out of your pocket. That's a liability. That's not that. You also got to think like, what if you lose your job? Yes. You got to think go. of the worst, exactly, scenarios. Yeah. Yeah, you're banking on a specific income to pay for the rest of that property, right? So right. 
it would be smart to first of all get into the investment get a property buy something that's under the budget right so for I, I, this is a common thing that i i speak with mortgage agencies they walk into um a bank and they ask for a loan or a pre-approval and they mm -hmm. say you know what you pre-approved to five hundred thousand. the first wow. thing that they do is they go and buy properties for five hundred thousand. <laughs> first Absolutely thing that they wonderful do. point wonderful yeah, point please point. please go ahead what you're saying is very wonderful where you're trying to get at next yeah it's like don't rush into that right it's totally fine that yeah it's great that you have this this much amount of money that you can use but be smart about it you can go somewhere else buy two properties live in one rent the other one and guess what you have now two assets that are building you equity over time as you guys were saying if the market appreciation takes place guess what and in a year even if you don't want to like read like refinance it you can pull a what's called a home line of credit as, as you're pointing out yeah, earlier this is a secured line of credit so what that does is it gives you 80 percent of value so say you purchase something for three hundred thousand dollars and it goes to uh 400 the next year that's an eighty thousand dollars extra you're gonna be able to pocket from a line of credit again a rate right. of like three percent right now which is unbelievably yeah. cheap yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you leverage that again, and as you can use that as down payment, go get another property. And that's right. how people have been doing. Like they, that's how you yeah. build your portfolio. So you got to start somewhere. Yeah. And I think the, to your point, a lot of folks get really confused. Okay, what do I do? I go get a single family? Do I get a townhouse? Do I get a condo? What do I, I think single family is probably the safest bet to start right. off with. To yeah. test the test the waters, test the market, like you guys were saying. So. Yeah. You guys started with Windsor. I mean, Windsor, again, it's still a hot market, but things are, there's so many other areas and other markets around us that is, it's, the ripple effect is taking, right? So they're going up, they're appreciating. But again, you look at the market fundamentals. Appreciation is fantastic. Think of it as a cherry on top. Yeah, it's exactly. going to be something you got to bank on. Absolutely. Like, just think of an idea where you're buying a business. And uh, I'm, okay, I'm selling you a business right, right here. Right. And I'm telling you, this doesn't make <laughs> this business doesn't bring anything every month. Like doesn't bring in any no money income. every yep. month. Yeah. And I tell you, like hold it for three years, and when you sell it, you'll be rich. <laughs> Will you buy that business? You tell me. That's no. pretty much you buying a property without cash flow. It just doesn't make sense. Like Absolutely. like how you mentioned, buy something which is easy for you to buy. It should be not as tough as doing a car purchase like how many times do you purchase a car not so often right mm -hmm. so it's it's a big purchase don't make it like that buy something in your capacity it should be like okay i went to tim mortons i bought a coffee <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but not that easy but you kind of understand my idea right as long yeah, as the yeah. numbers work and it's easy on cash flow like today if i lose my job i don't have to worry right yeah I don't, I don't have to pay any mortgage. All my properties are self-sustaining. In exactly. fact, they give me some money every month. So I get paid. I sometimes think, should I quit my job and get that $1,000 a month and just stay at my house? <laughs> getting $1,000 to just stay at my house for doing nothing. Yeah, right? no? and that, that's the beauty of it, right? Like, like you said, it pays itself off. You have individuals paying your mortgage and it's building equity and it's appreciating. So it's just, there's absolutely nothing uh, wrong with going with something like that. So I know that the biggest obstacle is, is another thing is analysis paralysis, which you guys touched oh, yeah. upon a yeah. lot, right? So uh, we, we, we tend to sit there and we tend to overcomplicate some of the matters. You do need to understand the fundamentals. So you do need to count. Uh, I always like to like, you know, take into account vacancy, right? Holding costs is another big one, especially because when you purchase a property and if, if it's previously tenanted, if you keep the tenants, great, but often than not, a lot of folks don't, right? There's a tenant turnover or it, you need to get them out of there so you can renovate the property, right? So then keep that in mind. You still got water. You still got hydro. You still got, uh, you know, gas. And on top of it, you're going to be paying property taxes. So you got to have all that little buffer, like you were saying, ready and really available into your built-in costs. So you know, if I repair this, it's going to be this much at the end of the day. But does it make sense? Does it leave me a margin of a profit or cash flow or something along those lines, right? Do you guys calculate all that in, in your in your properties as well? Definitely. We have like a Excel formulated with everything. Like yeah. we, we take this Excel from all these gurus and big people who have built this empire based on. Now, yeah. if he's done it right way, I'm just going to follow it instead of just start creating my own like savvy we, thing, yeah, right? We tweak it a little bit here and yeah. there. 
So yeah. we usually like to uh, consider 5% CapEx, which is like big expenses, roof, HVAC, air conditioner, just anything which is huge in expense. And then 5% small repair, that's like your your tap isn't working, your flush top working kind of thing, just yeah. small repairs. And then we consider 3% as vacancy. And just to round it about, sometimes we add another 7% as property management. So we just cut out 20% of the rents. Correct. So now once you have cut out the 20% of the rents, like the 20% for just do these activities along with that, like uh, property tax, internet bill, you have taken out all the issues that can happen. Just, right. just go ham and crazy and aggressive on cutting these issues out. And then whatever the cash flow you get, that is the real number. I would like to share the story. When I was just getting started, my uh, my person who was mentoring me, he told me, you're not going to do property management, but add that. Right. Add that always. Add these expenses. In the long run, you will thank me. And I still thank him for all these ideas, which yeah. I've learned from him and all these Excel analysis and whatnots are done. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it's, and it's always good to have a little bit of buffer. Like you're saying, but, uh, property management, a lot of folks tend to, uh, you know, invest and they want to manage themselves, which is great because it's literally our baby. We want to make sure we get the right tenants in, we may take, take care of it. But things, life takes different courses. What happens yeah. tomorrow if you need to move? You need to go somewhere. You need someone to be able to look after the property. So for you buffering and having that little cushion in there, you can play that part and you'll be comfortable you know, paying somebody to manage it. So I, I, I that's absolutely critical. Absolutely. Because before, like when we just started off, we were so hungry. We were ready to do property management. You do everything <laughs> you would like. I would go and fix the whole house also if I needed to. Yeah. But right now, like we have come to four properties, six units. I don't want to do property management anymore. Like I don't even care if it cash flows or not, as long as I don't have to pay anything out of the pocket. Right. You know? Right. Yeah, no, for sure. And then that's what the, that's the thing. You have to have true cash flow numbers, right? So it's right. another e easy common mistake people do is, is they tweak the numbers and they give themselves the wrong numbers. So, yeah. Yeah. oh, you know what? I don't need 10% CapEx. Uh, house is brand new. It's, the roof is not going to break. It's good for 10 years. That's going to be 0%. Oh, I'm going to property manage. Oh, that's going to be 0%. Oh, wow. This property cash flow is $1,000. <laughs> Well, obviously, because you're not calculating the cash flow stuff, right? So you have to have a true cash flow, right? And that's that's critical. Like, I don't understand why. Uh, again, I'm not trying to pick on anybody, but it's critical. Like, I I sit there, I go through MLS listings. I primarily have always bought on on MLS because I'm a realtor, uh, but I go through like a lot of says through probably ten properties a day. I kid you not, yeah. right? because it's like it looks good, but then you got to find out what's what are the rents, right? When was the last time it was renovated? What's the market com uh, comparables in the area, right? How much is it going to be? Uh, the, how much are the repairs going to cost me? So once you calculate all that, the more you do it, the better you get. So practice makes perfect. So for individuals, I highly advise just literally sit there. There's a lot of cash flow calculators and so forth. Oh my God, so many. So just many. practice. Yeah. Just and the, pretend and yeah, yeah, absolutely. I would like to touch up upon the point of analysis paralysis. Like we listen to all these gurus and they're like, I, I pulled off a full burr and I did like a flip with like 60 grand profit. And we're just looking at deals and we never find those deals. We are like, oh, how does this even work? <laughs> and then slowly you get into analysis paralysis phase and then you're like, slowly, unconsciously, you're tweaking the numbers a bit to make it look attractive. Yeah. But I think like, what you got to do is you got to stay on the pulse of the market so that yep. you know what is a good deal. And most importantly, when you see a bad deal, you know, this is, this is something I would <laughs> definitely want to stay away from. Absolutely. Yeah. So for you guys, so do you, you mentioned the first one was, was, a, a I guess it was a student rental. What was the yeah. second one? And how did you guys get to these deals? And you mentioned one of them was a wholesale or was first it all one, on the market? First one was a wholesale. We were okay. trying to get in the student rental near university. Now, yep. the issue with student rental in university, the bank does not finance at 5% down. The insurance broker will come really hard. He'll not give you insurance. So we tweaked the strategy. We thought like, okay, everybody is going behind that beautiful girl. Let me find a decent girl. So what I did, <laughs> I went to St. Clair College, which is something that's coming up. Students are coming in from India and China and whatsoever. Yep. But the neighborhood around that college beautiful. is remarkably good. It's got one of the best schools of Ontario over there. So mm -hmm. we were like, let me buy a house over there. 
So we just bought a house over there. The insurance does not have a problem. We got it under market. No issues. Now, same scenario if I'd gone to University of Windsor, no. shitty kind of property, yeah. shitty tenants, and then issues with insurance because I got to get one bidding five percent down bidding. Yeah. There are so many things to deal with. So just just look for something where everyone is not running because you would there are chances it's tough you you would get it right. So that's what we did with the first one. And then the second one, our strategy was. Yeah, I think this is the first property and the only property we bought off of MLS. Uh, so this property went on market just for twenty four hours. There was this Indian couple who was separating. So yeah. six pm, like we've been. So once Ishan has signed the documents for his first property, we were on the hunt for the second one, even though we didn't have no money. <laughs> <laughs> so my agent calls me this evening, six o'clock during COVID, and he's like, "Okay." buddy i think you're going to like this you got to come here right now 7:30 we are here from downtown to cambridge you check out this property beautiful it's outdated but nothing that we can't take on and then we go and check out the basement height and it's 8 foot ceiling i'm like whoa <laughs> this is real front hole because this is 8 foot ceiling and then we get to know it's a legal secondary suite i'm like bro we need Perfect. to get this yeah yeah so uh we we decided what number we going to put yeah we were roughly around 415 420 that's right. what we were thinking like low ball get a good deal yeah. that was in our mind and then next was it listed for is listed for 380 or 350 either of the one i'm not sure i But think the list price does yeah, not have any just, consequence on the sell price <laughs> fake price. <list> price. <laughs> <laughs> for so sure these were getting listed for 430 like yeah, like getting, getting sold for 430 in cambridge Right, like semi-duplex, yeah, twenty yeah, twenty Aprilish. Yeah. So, so we are like, if we can bid somewhere around that and get it for that price, that'd be awesome, right? So we wake up in the morning. We were at four fifteen, and in half an hour, we're like, "Oh, brother, we need this house. We want it real bad." So we jump to four forty-two, which is kind of fair market value for that property, and then we put in an offer. There were like, I think, seven other offers. Yeah, out of which three so were serious, serious ones, yeah. serious buyers. Yeah. So there is this guy who is. Who has an offer more than us? Mm-hmm. The, here we are, and there is a guy who is whose offer is less than us, but his offer is damn attractive too. So the guy on top, bit more than us, maybe ten, fifteen grand. He had two conditions: uh, finance and inspection. Okay. Right. Then comes our offer, where we are like no conditions whatsoever, because once we tour the house, we kind of have a good idea what to look yeah. for and everything's in shape or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, so no offer for forty two. And then there is a guy who's bidding less than us, who is like roughly maybe ten, fifteen grand less than us, maybe four thirty or something. Right. This guy is offering thirty-five percent deposit. That's like one thirty grand. He'll put it in your account in twenty-four hours. Wow! Amidst amidst all of all the chaos that's going around with COVID, COVID and these couple are separating. You wow! Know? So so what what struck the chord was we were going through Matt McIver's channel of like how to put an offer. Right. You gotta do your homework, guys. Like, please do your homework. There's no one who's gonna stop you. So this guy is saying, like, why would you not write a cover letter? Like, there is no reason not to write a cover letter tomorrow, for any offer yeah, that you put. Tomorrow in. you're trying to get the best job in top five companies of the world. Which right. would you not write a cover letter? Definitely, I would. Then why not for the house of your dreams, the first house you're gonna buy? Why wouldn't you? So we wrote a fancy cover letter, connecting us with the sellers. Right. in a way that we had a picture of us with our mom she had come to canada last year the year before that so tulip show and all these gardens and we took nice pictures so we told her like this is something we can call our home and we we brothers would love to stay here along with that we told her that we told in the letter that we love the delicate touches of indian essence you have put around in the house the coats so so we we kind of connected with the person it's right. the, that's what you got to do And then we got the house next day. We were like, <laughs> the, the, our realtor was like, "Bro, the cover letter you've written, I would sell you the house right away." It's a funny story, and the funny thing, real funny thing about it is, so we bought this in May, and right. in September, the guy who had who was willing to put thirty five percent deposit, oh wow, he just bought a plot behind us. So and it turned out he's an Indian guy mm-hmm. from Madhya Pradesh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we 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 became friends there. And then in September he comes in yeah. August he comes in and he's like, "Do you want to sell your property? Are you renters?" I'm like, "No, we bought the house." 
he was shocked because we we look quite young. So yeah. he was like shocked, literally shocked out of his mind. Like, did you literally buy it? I'm like, yes, we are renovating <laughs> the property right now. And then he goes like, oh, okay. So he thought that we are newbies, which we kind of were. And mm-hmm. he's like, if you want to sell, let me know. I'll right. buy the property. I'm like, we're still renovating and yeah. you haven't even seen the house. How can you be like, I'll buy the house. No, no, I don't, I don't want to see this. I had seen it when it went on the market. And mm-hmm. I don't even want you to finish your renovation. I'll just give you 530k direct. Let's do a deal. I'm like, okay, let's, if he's, he's so badly, if he so badly wants the house, I'm not giving him the house. So there's something <laughs> that's not, that's something more than I can see, right? Yeah. So, so that happens. And then in September, he comes again. And he's like, 550 if you want to sell. Wow. I'm like, now I'm definitely not selling that. <laughs> so, so, this is so funny where I just made a good 100, 110 grand. Wow. Over the span of six months. Yeah. By doing nothing. Yeah. And I emphasize on this so much because right. on a good year, I make six figures. But what do I get in hand after taxes? Like 60 grand maybe. Right. I made more than that here in six months. It's yeah. ridiculous. I don't un- even understand why people don't buy properties anymore. Yeah. Like if you have money, just because that's the life of an investor, right? Like yeah. you're always cash broke, equity heavy. Yeah. Like you check our <laughs> accounts every time you be my, like having two grand is like, wow, salute. Like you're yeah. rich. And then I totally hear you. You never yeah. have money. You know? <laughs> so, so for this one, I know you mentioned earlier, right? So when you, you, you said you didn't have the money. So how did you guys end up financing this one? So, or closing To on be this? honest, like Ishan had how much in RSP? I had 12 grand with me. I bought a house for nearly 400,000. So I need 20K, right? So right. I'm still short 8K. Right. So hey, brother, borrow me the, I'll borrow some money from you. So he writes gift me a letter. Check, gift letter. I'm your brother, whatnot. I get the 20 grand, <laughs> I get the house. Now he has 8K less short with whatever money he has. Right. And, and I also have roughly like 12 and, grand. And, and funny story, I paid a wholesale fees because I got the deal off market. That's like 10 grand. So right. basically his down payment is like over completely, right? Mm-hmm. So now what we do, thank you to the lines of credit. We pull that in. I write him a gift letter and he goes and buys a house. 442 that's $22,000 or $25,000 so I gave him the line of credit and now he's he's trying to get the house with that money now we are right. 25k in debt like somewhere around that right 25 to 20k in debt mm-hmm. now what, what's happening is my house is cash flowing around $1,500 to $2,000 right. it'll take me 10 months leave that I have a job I don't have to worry I have a job to pay for everything like I just got to pay interest 100 right. bucks 200 bucks right this property is appreciating ridiculously, like 100K. Now I'm thinking, yeah, look at the, the return on that. Sorry, <laughs> just look, calculate the return on that. That you're a thousand percent or more. Well, yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. Before I hop on to what's next, I would like to give some golden nuggets to our newcomers who are listening to this it. show. How much do you think we have line of credit before we even started buying our houses? How much? Give give us a guess, Ross. Any, like any, together, how much we would have? Uh, 30, 40K? We had $200,000. Woo! Yes. Yes, sir. So wow. that's, that's why that's why you got to be with the right people. They guide you. The so you guys went to every single bank? How did, talk, me, talk me through that process. Like, How did you guys manage to get that many line of credit? The show is called Golden Nuggets. So might as well come. No secrets here, boys. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what happens is whenever you're trying to get a line of credit from a bank, what the bank does is it checks your credit reports and whatnots and everything, right? So the, the, the good part over here is once you book an appointment with one bank, go and book an appointment with two other banks, three other banks, book an appointment with all the banks together and tell them you're going to purchase a house. So you are trying to get some safety. So now they're going to check your credit report and whatnot has been done before that. But right now, when he's giving you a line of credit, he's not going to check whether you are asking TD banks, Kosha bank, this bank, that bank, what's going on around the scenes. So you get line of credit from one bank, another bank, and the same, another bank within the same month. If it's not within the same month, leave it. Don't, don't push for it because they would come to know that, oh, you've got line of credit somewhere else. Now, right. another bad thing that can happen is like a credit check. How much is the credit check going to hamper you when I tell you there's like 20 or 30 or 40 grand extra in your pocket? Like it doesn't matter mm-hmm. in the long scheme of things, right? 
So right. you, you uh, hopefully you build your credit report properly, and a little hit would not cause that much yeah. of an issue. And once you buy the house, they don't care about anything. So right? pretty much what you're trying to pull off here is when yeah. you go to first bank, no problem. You you go to NBC first if you fall into the engineering and CPA and all that criteria yeah. because that's like the cheapest that you can get yeah. get as like fattest line of credit possible. And then once you hear from them saying like okay you're getting an approval. That very week, you have to have like an appointment book with the other banks, Scotia, RBC, TD, or whoever you are with. Now, like now, when you go to the second bank, in their report, it hasn't been updated that these guys just gave you like forty grand. Yes. So they are imagining, okay, yep. this guy has no lines of credit. Let let's. Uh, why don't we give him forty grand? Right, and right. That's how you stack the lines yeah. of credit. But you also oh. got to remember, both of mm-hmm. us have six-figure salaries, so right. we got to two thousand two hundred thousand, but. But still, but, like yeah. even if you don't have that much, you will get more than what you deserve based on the strategy. So, this is a golden nugget before you get started. <laughs> another another golden nugget I would like to say, Kellen posted recently, and he told like when you're buying a house for five percent, like you said, if you're getting five hundred thousand dollars affordability, buy a house for four hundred and sixty thousand dollars maximum. Yeah. Because right. there is some golden value, which is forty thousand dollars. They give you purchase plus uh, renovations. They give you at the max of forty thousand. That's the golden number. So keep that forty thousand dollars buffer in your affordability and buy the house something so you can just make it look it good, man. Like do some like put pot lights, put put nice flooring, paint it just to increase the jump of the strategical value of yeah, the house. Like you're you're trying to increase the equity. Yeah. Where you might not have a lot of equity on the buy, but once you renovate, correct, you have so much equity. Like there, yeah, you're there forcing appreciation. Forcing, yeah, 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 yeah. forcing. So even if, if you're not doing a burr at twenty percent down, yeah. you're doing a poor man's burr at five percent down. I still do something, right? So yeah. yeah, I feel like we're like Robin Hoods, man. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be. You have to be. Wow, that that's awesome. And then. How does it work now? Like, if somebody has saved a mortgage, right? Let's talk about it existing. So, somebody who didn't know about what you guys said about line of credit, uh, would they be able to still qualify and get more like line of credits, or is it? Are they, the banks going to look at and say, you know what? No, this person has two mortgages now, and so on and so forth. Yeah, so, so that yeah. that's why you need to hang with the best of the best. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. Beforehand. Beforehand. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like Austin had told us this back in the day that. Once you are, once you hit five properties, six properties, forget about buying properties. They won't even give you like forget even lines of credit. They won't even entertain you to get you a credit card. Yeah. Like they won't even give you a credit card. <laughs> That's where you will be. So you have to do this beforehand. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you can still try to pull it off. Like, what's the worst that can happen? You try and yeah. maybe you pass, maybe you fail, but there's no harm in it. Yeah. I mean, no, there is sure. so much liability if you have like one house, two house yeah. that they don't entertain you anymore with yeah. unsecured lines of credit, right? It's just to be safe, basically, at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, anything uh, you get th- uh, credit bars thrown at you all the time. You could be, cl- you could be uh, basically approved for mortgage, and then tomorrow the bank, when they do the appraiser, come back to you and say, you know what, uh, we, we're not gonna, we're not gonna give you the money on this. And then guess what? You have a uh, a two hundred thousand dollar, you know, money you gotta come out of your pocket to close on that deal. Otherwise, you're gonna get potentially sued or lose your deposit. Right. So yeah, anything yeah. could happen. You're right. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Pretty much. Pretty much. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. I hope you were able to get some great golden nuggets out of it. The kindest thing that you could do is share this podcast across all social media to help as many people as possible. I'll post the links in the show notes for those accounts so you can find me. I love bouncing ideas out of people, and I love talking real estate. Thanks, and I'll see you in the next episode. Remember, financial freedom is just a couple properties away.